Hello and welcome to the D2C podcast. I am Eric Dick and today is part two of our deep dive discussion with SMS category leader Yachtpo. Today we're talking with Gabe Goldstein from Yachtpo's client success team where he's going to share his recommendations for best practices for SMS success, including how to go about growing your subscribers, how to use different collection tools, the types of flows you should enable and the types of campaigns to run. Gabe will also detail the strategies of a few brands who are absolutely nailing their SMS programs. Uh, Maggie, who I interviewed previous to this, described Gabe as the company Rockstar, which is quite the label, not to set expectations high. Uh, but I'm really happy to have you on the podcast, Gabe. How you doing? I am great, and I'm glad to be here. That's very kind of Maggie. Maggie is a rock star in her own right. So that's high praise from somebody who deserves high praise. Okay, so the first thing brands need to think about when getting into SMS, uh, one of the first things is how to grow their subscriber base. What advice do you have for brands for how to go about capturing uh, subscribers for their SMS program? Yeah. So, I mean, it's easy to start with the basics. You want the fundamentals enabled and the two fundamentals that we consider imperative as part of every onboarding and that powers every successful program is checkout opt-in. So as you go through the buyer journey, you end at the checkout page, you have a a compliant opt-in option to opt in SMS marketing. So that's a a, a great tool to capture phone numbers um, that are then used for retention Uh, Basically, if the person completes the purchase, then you put them in your retention funnel on SMS, or you can send them an abandoned cart text, for example. So you leave your phone number, you abandon cart, 30 minutes later, we have your phone number, you're compliantly opted in, we hit you with an abandoned cart text. So that's step one. It's part of every activation process for us. And then the other fundamental growth tool is a pop-up, a branded pop-up, whether it's served through us, obviously that's most effective, or you're serving it through a third-party pop-up app. We always want to make sure that SMS capture is a part of the pop-up. So those are the two big ones. I'm happy to talk a little bit more about the more creative list growth strategies, but we recommend that every account that we work with have those two. I talked about this with Maggie, but I want to want to dive into it again because it's something we spoke about on the podcast a little while ago was collecting um, email and SMS in two distinct screens, for instance, like stages in the sign-up. Is that what you recommend versus having two fields above each other? Yeah, it really depends on company priority. Um, A lot of companies still prioritize email over SMS. Uh, We're seeing that shift, actually. A lot of brands that we work with put SMS first and even exclude email from their Hmm. pop-up. But for those who are are still conscious of collecting email first, they typically like to go with a three-step pop-up where the first screen is email capture, second screen is SMS capture with the compliance language at the bottom, and then third screen is a branded thank you page with maybe a nice image in the background. So that is, I would say, our our most popular pop-up flow. But again, there are other brands who they understand that SMS marketing presents the most direct throughput to end consumers. So they want to invest more in growing their SMS list than their email list. And that's where you get people who exclude email altogether or maybe reprioritize so that SMS is first and email is second. So this is for people who visit your site. This is for your on-growth, on-site subscriber growth. What yeah. uh, tips do you have for how to generate uh, things off-site, actually get the traffic you don't have? So it's a big narrative that, that I discuss with my clients. I would say the cautionary tale is those accounts that enable checkout opt-in and a pop-up, and they set it and forget it. So they do see gradual growth over time, but you hit a wall, right? Like um, the pop-up capture is contingent on fluctuations in site traffic, for example. Checkout opt-in is contingent on fluctuations in order volume. But if you have a loyal following on Instagram, say 4.2 million followers, and you have 350,000 email subscribers, obviously you want to tap into both of those followings. 
So like you mentioned, we have the on-site growth strategies pop up, check out opt-in. Um, but the most effective programs are taking an omni-channel approach to marketing their programs. So they'll send periodic dedicated emails that say, hey, did you know we're on SMS? Sign up and you get free, uh, I don't know, shipping or some different exclusive. Uh, it's really important that you outline the incentives of being a part of the program. Um, and the end goal is to solicit signups from that email following. And you have the same thing on, on Instagram. If you have your 4.2 million followers, then why aren't we converting them into SMS subscribers? Clearly, they understand mobile first, right? They're following you on Instagram. They engage with your posts. So that's uh, an audience that's ripe for engaging with this new age, uh, mobile first kind of marketing medium. How do you get them? Do you have to say, go to my link? You put something in your link tree? Like what's the actual tactic yeah. for converting those people? So we have a design team that will custom design dedicated signup pages. Um, and the dedicated signup page is typically used in the dedicated email blasts. So you receive an email from, I don't know, Eric's shoes. The email says, hey, join our SMS club. Here are the benefits. Uh, sign up now. And it has a CTA button. Click the sign up now button. It directs to the website to our custom built dedicated signup page. And that's where we capture your email. So pretty seamless signup process. People are well accustomed to clicking CTAs and emails and being directed elsewhere. And they just quickly enter their phone number and their name. And then we have them, they're part of your program. And are they're doing that for some transactional value for, for some sort of discount perhaps, or is it just to get closer to the brand? Yeah, so it depends. First on the other side of the coin is Instagram. So with Instagram, it's even more seamless. We have a social opt-in feature where you run a graphic on your story. And if you swipe up, uh, it populates a pre-populated keyword. You send in that keyword from your native messaging app and that subscribes you to the program. Whoa. So you, you aren't taken to a, a second URL. It's really seamless, it's quick, it's easy. Um, and we see a lot of brands with high social engagement, large followings, adopting this at scale, especially around promotions like Memorial Day weekend, July 4th. It's a great opportunity to say, hey, we have a promotion coming up soon. First look is on SMS. Swipe to subscribe now. Swipe up, send in the keyword, you're good. So those are both sides of the coin. But why are people signing up? It varies. It really varies. And it depends what the brand um, wants out of their program. There are a lot of brands that will offer a 25% discount, steep incentive, really effective at capturing leads. But then people will take the discount, make their first purchase, and then jump ship. So often an elevated incentive, if it's too dramatic, um, isn't going to be great for creating real loyalty in the channel. Other brands take a really cool approach to soliciting signups. Culture Kings is probably my favorite example. It's an AU-based brand with a New Zealand, AU, and US domain. They run sweepstakes for really exclusive Nikes and Jordans, or really exclusive like retro uh, athletic apparel or jerseys. And their pitch is, hey, enter our sweepstakes for the chance to win. And as part of the sign-up form is a mobile entry. They have the compliance language at the bottom. Their list has gone from zero to 350,000 in AU very quickly. Their list has exploded in New Zealand even, even though I believe it's their smallest market of the three. And US also is, is really taking off. So the gamification of the signup process is really effective at uh, capturing interest. And then you have to transition them into longtime loyal subscribers. And there's an effective way to do that. Don't have to get into all the details now, but really important that you're getting creative in your signup strategy. 
It's a really interesting point because, um, you know, we, we've run some contests just to drive referrals and it, it's worked really well. And it actually has been pretty quality referrals within our like newsletter space. But I know that's a challenge is when you bring people in on sweepstakes and on freebies and on contests and stuff like that. I, I think the volume that you're going to get is going to enable you to get a lot of good customers at a good price regardless. But I am interested in that strategy of how you get them off the track of the freebie and the sweepstakes and into a customer relationship. Is it through subtle discounting? Is it through brand storytelling, like at a high level, what's that process like? Yeah, we actually find that it's through candor. Um, so not, not through subtlety. Um, if you sign up for the chance to win a giveaway and you don't win, you want to hear something, right? You don't just want to be in the dark for six weeks and then receive a random text about a promotion you don't care about. Totally. So if you don't win, you need to get on a regular cadence of saying, hey, like, sorry, you didn't win this time. But like we want you to stick around. Here's 10% off your next order and stay locked into this channel for exclusive offers in the future. So our philosophy always is be thoughtful, be human, lean into the fact that they signed up for X, Y, and Z reason, and then transition them into what will hopefully be a long-term subscriber. If you act like nothing happened and you don't address the fact that they didn't win, even if they were invested in the sweepstakes, then yeah, if you don't send a campaign for six weeks and then you hit them out of the blue, they're pretty likely to churn. Um, they're pretty likely to be upset, honestly. So you might blow that uh, your shot with that customer, whether it's on SMS or email, wherever. Nice. Culture Kings. And so they've now built these sweepstakes into like a monthly flow or a quarterly flow. They actually just have this as part of their marketing program now just to feed these channels. Yeah, even more than monthly and quarterly. They're really innovative with list growth. Um, they, I, I would say, are, are one of our standard bearers. And again, I think you stand to learn a lot from the people who do it wrong. Like there are a lot of accounts that will enable a pop-up and it's static and they leave it for six months, the same incentive. It's not seasonal. It's not relevant. And they'll see growth again. But do they see growth that outpaces the churns from their campaigns? Um, Sometimes. But are they doing the, I don't know, ancillary things to maintain a healthy list or grow their list exponentially month over month? You have to innovate. You can't just set it and forget it. That's reality. And that's, that's the DSC reality. That's the reality. It's not just SMS. It's the whole, it's like the curse and the, and the benefit of this space we're in. It's like one, yeah. you know, we're making it up as we go, which is both the beautiful thing and the, the really challenging thing about this. It's interesting because automation is like the big thing in SMS, right? So flows, they are set it, forget it. They're kind of like passive income. You do the heavy lifting during onboarding. You maintain them periodically. You tweak them. We have a really robust flow builder. So you can do a lot of cool stuff where you're personalizing everybody's experience with the flow builder. So those automations are super important. But I think that that idea or that, I don't know, misconception really spills over into subscriber growth where you think that it's, it's a similar approach. But subscriber growth is a never-ending pursuit. It's not automation-oriented. It shouldn't be set it and forget it. So there is nuance between the different core buckets of SMS marketing. And that's why I love working with these accounts is because we can walk through them in detail and they start to understand over time that the way that they've been thinking about SMS marketing in general is kind of outdated, um, not really in line with reality. So yeah, it's cool to talk about where automation is important and then where innovation is really important. As a company, we, you know, we're, we're always trying to find ways to grow our list. And it's like a company-wide initiative. It's like every one of our team members is empowered to be like, oh, we should try a placement here, or we should try this strategy, or we should try this giveaway. Or it's like in early stage company, you know, high growth companies, you need people thinking about ways to innovate your growth all the time. And I, that really resonates with me of people doing it wrong by just having this set it and forget it approach. Are there any other uh, big areas you see people go wrong with their SMS programs? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people think that SMS is uh, an extension of email marketing, and it's not. So they have their email calendar. They're on a, a pretty regular cadence of prepping all of their email materials at the beginning of the month. And they think, oh, it's easy. Let me just adapt the copy on email to SMS. What you end up with is spammy looking texts that are kitschy. They read as markety. Um, and the beauty of SMS and also the peril of SMS sometimes is that, again, it's the most direct throughput to an end consumer and it's a very human channel. You're only going to text with your friends and your family and brands that you care about. So if I get texts from a brand that I care about, it's like, hey, summer, Sunday, beautiful, I don't know, you know, marketing fluff, everybody does. Um, if I received email copy on SMS from a brand that I care about, I'd be kind of upset because I'm hoping for a more personalized experience. So I would say um, a big no-no is the people who simply adapt email copy to SMS copy. Um, and they don't understand that being on SMS requires a different mindset, approach, tone of voice. Um, you can keep, obviously, the, the core principles of your branding and of your brand voice, but you have to iterate off of it to make it SMS specific. And I think the word that I keep thinking as you're saying this is candor, because the medium has no space for anything else but candor yeah. in a way, right? You just have to be transparent, open to the point. Um, I was just talking about Lily Sun's, uh, had a tweet the other day about how uh, from Three Ships, she did this whole SMS flow that she wrote up with very flowery brand language and kind of marketing fluffy and all that and just bombed. And then she yeah. did one that was just m much more straight to the point, kind of a bit more transactional about the deals that were happening or the product launches that were happening. And that one performed much better in this particular case. Yeah, um, United by Blue had a campaign a couple, a couple of weeks ago where they said, they sent a text and they said, you know, one of our products uh, during development, like it got a bit screwed up. Um, instead of throwing it out, we're discounting it. And that ended up being one of their highest performing campaigns that quarter. I can't remember exactly when it was. But again, like being human, leaning into a mistake, um, using the channel in the right way. Candor is a, a really important principle, not only to our SMS programs, but to Yapo in general and the Yapo uh, SMS strategy team. We're always going to be honest with our clients. If you're not creating spend efficiencies, if you're not using the right copy, if basically you just don't have the right formula, we're not going to tiptoe around it. We've seen what works and we'll, we'll tell you what works and we'll die on the hill of trying to steer you to what works. So awesome. Candor is really, really important at the company and really important SMS. Tough love from Yachtpo. I love it. Uh, let's let's dive into campaign strategy a little bit. So you know we'll we'll talk about flows after this, but just from a campaign strategy, what do you recommend people getting into once they've set up their onsite pop, they have their abandoned cart uh, sequence going? Uh, what do you recommend in terms of monthly campaign strategy? So in terms of frequency, we recommend at least four to six all subscriber campaigns per month. Some brands are more aggressive, of course. Some brands are more conservative. Uh, we found that's the sweet spot in maximizing revenue maintaining brand visibility, um, but also minimizing unsubscribe rates. So a lot of people enter the world of SMS thinking, I don't want to inundate people. It is a direct throughput. It is human. And there's a bad side to that. And we always find, I really haven't seen one case where this wasn't true, that as you increase your campaign frequency within reason, of course, you're not sending one per day or two per day. But as you increase your frequency, you condition your subscribers to hearing from you and you actually see unsubscribe rates decrease. Could be that when you first start increasing, you lose subscribers who wouldn't have stuck around anyway. Um, but we do find that you increase your frequency, you see an increase in engagement, an increase in intent, and a decrease in unsubscribe rates. So that's like the big data point that we use to, I don't know, sell these brands on sending more campaigns. 
is that unsubscribe rates will go down and you're creating more revenue opportunities. So cadence is important. Four to six all subscriber campaigns per month is the minimum recommendation. And then just sticking to it. Because as you say, when if you go without for three or four weeks with nothing, and then all of a sudden you send one out of the blue, I bet that one has a higher unsubscribe rate than if you had kept a steady mix. Yeah, it's jarring. We work with some brands that are, are really married to this idea that you should only send around uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. And then if they try to experiment throughout the year, which really shouldn't be considered experimentation, they find that they have 8% unsubscribe rates, maybe even higher. Our benchmark is 1% to 2%. So it, it is problematic when you take so much time off because you decondition people to hearing from you. They find it jarring when you reach out again. But again, going back to the analogy or lack thereof with email, often brands will come in and they say, you know, we don't even have the creative fodder for four campaigns. We don't want to send four campaigns because we don't want to inundate. So I say to them, how many emails do you send in a month? We send 25 emails. Okay, why do you send 25 emails, but you're not concerned about inundation? Oh, because we know that people won't open 22 of them. Okay, well, if you know people aren't engaging with your emails, and that's why you're hiking up the frequency, and you have this tool that allows the most direct throughput to an end consumer, then why wouldn't we just adapt of those 25, four emails into SMS language for the month? Is that really a big ask? And that's when the logic clicks again, like, I think people too often fall into this trap of thinking that the human element and the direct throughput is a negative thing when really it's the next frontier of e-commerce marketing. And we consistently see that it's a very powerful thing when used correctly. So what's your suggestion for the mix within those four to six per month emails of promotional versus non-commercial? Like, and even just back up, like, is there, are there categories of reasons that you're sending these campaigns? Like one of them would be, you're trying to make a connection. You're trying to you, you educate them or entertain them. There's also like, you're trying to segment them. Uh, you're trying to yeah. sell to them transaction. Like what are the sort of categories of what goes into campaigns? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question and, and balance is really important. So of course you have your big promotional opportunities coming up is July 4th, but it's important not only to send discount, 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 you desensitize people or you condition them to expect a discount. And the second you have a regular product drop without an incentive, they're not inclined to engage. But I will say overall, we recommend all subscriber campaigns for product launches, collection drops, brand partnership announcements, and then for those more thoughtful brands, if you're committed to a mission and I don't know, let's say you give away 10,000 um, free pairs of shoes for every 100 orders that you do, then every time you hit the 100 order mark, it is worthwhile to send a campaign and say, because of you guys, we now get to donate 10,000 pairs of shoes. We find that if you want to create real loyalty um, and real trust with your brand, then you should broadcast your mission and the good that you're doing. Um, so you need to mix in with the promotional ones, with the product launches, some non-promotional touch points that, again, and I'm going to keep saying it because it's really important to us, to humanize the channel. You need to humanize the channel. And sometimes it's a matter of eating the cost of a campaign that isn't revenue driving, but it's worth it in terms of lifetime value and long-term payoff. That's tough to measure, I guess. But like, how do you... like? People understanding and connecting with your brand is just going to be important forever. And so, you know, obviously those, those mission statement type things, they are going to, they, you know, they're going to land with, with the, the right segment of your audience and it's going to deepen that channel. I understand that. But is there anything you can look to that, to sort of prove that? Um, we haven't done like a comprehensive analysis of before and after unsubscribe rates. Because uh, typically when, when our brands do send non-promotional content, especially mission related content, they do it 
relatively consistently. So I don't even know like where there would be the control group basically, but we look at unsubscribe rates and, and the brands that take a more thoughtful approach um, to marketing and do weave in some of those non-promotional uh, touch points, they see lower unsubscribe rates across the board. It's also interesting, often when you're directing traffic to your site to highlight the good that you do, people are inclined to peruse different collections and convert. So you might be sending a non-revenue driving campaign and you see 7x ROI on it. And people are always, they, they really love seeing that because it's a testament to how much their mission resonates with somebody that the CTA isn't to shop, it's just to read, or it's just to understand the good that they're doing. And then they feel inclined to go support the mission. Have you seen any brands do like quirky things or like, you know, I've, I've heard of some brands using it as a way to get them to engage with their content, but also just content that, you know, they know this audience would like So there's like an entertaining aspect to the SMS relationship. Have you seen brands incorporate that well, or do you recommend it? Definitely recommend it. Uh, we definitely recommend innovation with your campaigns. Again, if you send promotion after promotion, it's going to get stale at some point. Uh, we have one brand in the UK that locks their website and they offer a password to the website while they run a promotion and they send out the password on SMS and they see insane returns on those campaigns, like 35x ROI on those campaigns. Uh, Princess Polly is really good about uh, gamifying some of their promotions and incentives. And in terms of quirks and understanding your audience, they have a younger demographic that wants to have fun in the shopping experience, right? So they often run mystery flash sales. They've kind of pioneered the idea um, that now other people around the SMS, Yapo SMS ecosystem are adopting, where you get a text that says, we're running a mystery flash sale, add your items to cart to find out what the value is. Even if the promotion isn't super steep, by that point, you've already, I don't know, you've been married to the products that you've added to cart. Um, and if you get 5%, 10%, 20%, whatever it is, it's enough of an incentive to bring you over the line. So that's like a gamified shopping experience that we've, we've seen drive a ton of success. But yeah, I mean, we have plenty of brands that don't compromise on brand voice that are quirky. Like we work with Squatty Potty. They have hilarious campaigns. Recently, it was their birthday or something. I can't remember what the key marketing date was, but they sent a link to a YouTube video and it was like one of their classic hilarious commercials. And I, I thought that was a really interesting and, and relatable and again, human way to use SMS. So when it comes to voice, what are some of the key ways that you differentiate between your voiced in SMS versus email? Yeah, so email, again, like you rely a lot on graphics to speak for you and it's kind of kitschy. SMS, we ask people to be more direct, to use more pointed copy, be more casual, give a name to the SMS club. So we have a couple of core principles when it comes to copy. The first would be exclusivity. How are you creating exclusivity? Whether it's calling somebody an SMS VIP or it's saying, hey, babes, like you've decided to, to name your SMS following babes, right? Hey, babes, first look on SMS. Uh, we're about to drop this product. So how are you creating exclusivity is the main takeaway. Um, how are you making people feel like they're a part of a special first look channel in SMS marketing? And then you want to contextualize your outreach. You don't want to just reach out for no reason. If it's not promotional, hey, it's Earth Day. Like this is all the great stuff that we're doing for the environment. We're committed to eco-friendly practices. Um, or maybe it's July 4th. Hey, July 4th comes early for SMS subscribers. That's exclusivity and context. And then you offer your incentive. Whether you have a dollars and cents incentive is up to you. If you're discount averse, you can create the illusion of an incentive. So you get first look. We curated this collection just for you. These are selling fast. Here's your opportunity to grab one. Um, and then, of course, you want to end with urgency and a strong CTA. 
the key difference is that in SMS, you can't write a, I don't know, 500 word text, right? You're gonna lose people's interest. So it has to be more brief. It has to be punchy. It has to be consistently committed to these core principles or you'll inevitably compromise on one. Email, you have a little bit more flexibility. You have an email message that's what, this long? Maybe people are reading it, maybe not. But in SMS, you have to be a, a lot more deliberate with your words, a lot more concise, and you have to pack a more powerful punch. Let's talk about flows a little bit here. So we have the abandoned cart flow, which is sort of the standard that is an industry standard. Every brand needs to have this. Uh, what other kind of flows are you seeing out there that, that work well? So model deployments have a mix of revenue driving and transactional flows. Transactional would be like an order confirmation, shipping confirmation. Um, if you work with recharge, it would be a, a recharge notification that your subscription is coming up uh, for renewal soon. Um, and then there are fundamental revenue driving flows. So a welcome flow that's associated with a pop-up or other growth tools is a must-have. Abandoned cart is a must-have. Customer win back is a must-have. Um, and then some form of post-purchase flow. And again, this is where you get into what a brand wants to be on SMS. Some brands, they want to drive revenue. I mean, every brand wants to. But some are almost exclusively committed to driving revenue, and they know that SMS is such a high positive ROI channel that in their post-purchase flow, they want to say, thanks for shopping. Here's 10% off your next order. Let's try to drive an immediate repeat purchase. Other brands have loyalty programs. They have refer a friend programs. They have Facebook communities. So instead of taking a promotional approach in the post-purchase flow, they'll plug those different programs. So let's say you create two trees in the post-purchase flow. One tree, it would be for a first-time purchaser. Hey, thanks for your purchase. Here's 10% off your next purchase. You want to turn them into a repeat purchaser. The second tree is anybody who's purchased more than one time. Hey, we noticed that you've purchased a couple of times. Did you know you could earn points for your purchases? Sign up for our loyalty program here. Not a promotional angle. You're trying to extend CLTV, a really effective way to use the post-purchase flow. And then you can also get into Facebook communities, plug Instagram, et cetera. Um, and the takeaway there is that the most effective programs are ones that, that are conducive to touching each part of your marketing operation. SMS shouldn't operate in a silo, shouldn't cannibalize email, cannibalize social, but it should touch social and social should touch SMS. It goes back to the idea of marketing your program in an omni-channel way and using SMS, I guess, in the inverse way, which would be marketing your loyalty program, marketing your Instagram page, et cetera. We try as hard as we can to understand our brand's strategies, not just with SMS, but all of marketing, so that we can help them connect the dots effectively. I was saying this uh, with Maggie too, you know, when you get people to select early on about whether they're, you know, so say a skincare, hair care brand or something like, are you more interested in this or both? You get this data and they've sort of put up their hand to be like, yeah, I want to be marketed to about this and this, or just this, not this. And it's like, SMS is going to be the best channel to get the highest resolution on that data or the most data. Uh, from that, and then you need to port that into your email, so that when you're you, so that you can have dynamic messaging across both channels that understand each other, right? Yeah, I mean the end goal is is to have email and SMS work in tandem. So we have integrations with different ESPs. Like we can import the data that we collect into Clavio, for example, and vice versa. So that's a, a pretty seamless process. But that's exactly right. Like again, we don't want to cannibalize email. We don't want email to cannibalize SMS. So everything we set up is very thoughtful in that. We understand email cadence. We understand email flows. My primary colleague, the, the colleague that I work on all of our mid-market enterprise brands with is, his name is Sarab. He typically gets access to our clients' ESPs, goes in, does an audit of their email flows to understand what they're doing on email, 
adapts what's appropriate to adapt to SMS and sets the SMS flows up in such a way that they're not conflicting with email. They're not cannibalizing email. So the takeaway is the two should work in tandem. They're also two completely different marketing channels. I think there's this misconception that they're super related, but like we talked about at the beginning, they're not. Like you have to be completely different in your approach across both of them. You mentioned the customer win back. What's general best practices for customer win back? This is like a couple weeks after purchase or is it, or it could be right away after the purchase. Like, what do you think are the best practices for that flow? Yeah, it's a bit of a diplomatic response, I think, but it really depends on the brand. Um, like our default option, what we recommend is usually 45 days, but it depends what kind of business you are. And again, it gets at the thoughtful approach we take to each brand. Like it's not a one-to-many kind of strategic approach. It's a one-to-one approach. For example, Snuggle Me Organic is a baby brand that we work with. They sell different items for babies and toddlers, and they have lines that are age-specific. You know, they have lines for one-year-olds, and they have lines for two-year-olds. So a customer win back for them, it might be a 12-month delay after purchase. You might wait until a child is in the next development of growth before yeah. you hit them again with a new product. Princess Polly, though, it's a fashion brand. And I don't know, when do you ever run out of clothes that you're in love with, right? So it could be a week. It could be two weeks, especially if we set a condition where we're targeting people who have purchased more than five times, for example. We know they're loyal. We know they come back frequently. So let's hit them a week later and say, hey, like we miss you. I know it hasn't been that long, but come back to the site, grab your next favorite item for 10% off. So it, it really depends on what the business model we're working with is. Yeah, I was thinking about Olipop, right? When you're drinking a case of sodas a week or whatever, the cadence would be totally different. It all depends on the consumable nature of the product, I guess. Yeah, and there are definitely um, some brands that have the perfect demographic and business model for SMS and some brands where it's a bit of a challenge to find the most effective strategy. But yeah, or uh, really any brand with a hero device that requires replenishment, right? Like we work with Pure Sense um, and you have the hero device, it's the scent machine. And then you have to consistently buy new fragrances, restock your fragrances. So we automate a customer win-back flow. You know, two weeks after they purchase the Hero device, we assume that they've used up um, what comes with the Hero device. And then we want to hit them to try to replenish. And at that point, it's, it's more of a necessity than a luxury, right? Like you have this device, you like it, you have to refill it. So why not automate that process with flows? So you mentioned Princess Polly. We talked about that as well with Maggie. What are some other brands that you think are doing SMS strategy extremely well? So again, we talk about brand and not compromising on brand, understanding uh, the SMS ecosystem. Parks Project, if you've heard of them. Totally. um, They are awesome. Yeah, I've purchased from a couple of their campaigns. I'm signed up to like 200 text marketing programs. Um, Usually I don't purchase. Like I'm not going to purchase from Princess Polly. It's just not my fashion sense. But Parks Project is like very much in my wheelhouse. They know when to use emojis, when to be playful. Uh, For example, when they include stop to opt out in messages, they do stop to opt out with a sad face emoji. Or like, would you really want to leave us? They poke fun. They're playful. They're casual. They don't take themselves too seriously. Um, And I also appreciate they have a lot of really cool collaborations. They just rolled out a Vans Times Parks Project collaboration. They did an awesome subscriber growth push beforehand. Um, And then the drops were not disappointing in any way. Uh, They also use really cool GIFs and branded graphics. They're great about that. Um, So every time I get a Parks Project text, I'm excited. Like it's a fun experience to hear from them. They have such a high-end brand. They've followed me around Facebook for years now and they have such a strong 
brand voice that leans on all these amazing parks that, you know, we may or may not have experienced and all these amazing retro graphics and stuff. So it'd be really, it's cool that they let that sensibility bleed all the way through to their SMS with all the custom graphics you mentioned. Yeah. And again, they don't assault you with promotions. You know, they have, they reach out when they feel like they're providing value and when they have content they think you'd be interested in. And it's in the form of brand partnership announcements, cool collection drops, product launches. So in terms of like tone of voice and, and I guess hitting the right note on SMS, they're one of our best. Uh, I'm going to have to buy one of those duck hats. They're pretty cool. (laughs) Nice. I have the parks book. I have the campfire stories book. Um, I recently bought a t-shirt from them. So they're really eating away at my, my paychecks, but it's worth it. Anyone else uh, that really stands out? I would say Dossier, if you've heard of them. It's a like, perfume cologne company. First of all, they also understand the tone of voice that it takes to succeed on SMS. They're also really equal partners. They're eager to learn. They're hungry to learn. We're in constant communication. We look at the data after every campaign. After every week, I update their analytics tracker every morning. So they're a a really prime example of a data-driven brand that's trying to find the right formula. And they send campaigns very consistently. All of them perform at a high level. Unsubscribe rates are low and decreasing over time. So I appreciate they've taken a deliberate approach to launching their program with us. They're adaptable based on the data. And then in terms of what the end consumer sees, they're always providing value too. It's back in stocks. Um, They outline the value of their product really well, too. Um, Basically, they sell scents that smell like your other favorite scents at a fraction of the cost. Um, And I always tell them, why are we not including the price point difference in these campaigns? Their inclination is to, but if we ever leave it out, um, because it's important. Like If that's your main value prop and you want to show people that you're providing value every time you're reaching out, then you should outline that. So uh, I would say dossier. I think I'm pronouncing that right. My yeah, POCs are. That's the French way. I'm Canadian, so I appreciate it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and they are French. So. Okay. That's, that's good. Right. And I see they have a quiz on their site too, to help you find their exact scent. I wonder if they've ever tested running that quiz in SMS versus on like a quiz platform. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's still in their welcome flow, but at a time I know it was in their welcome flow. And we have a lot of brands who do that. We have a lot of brands who need to do a bit of education before they can make their pitch. And they do the education through a quiz. Uh, Parker Clay is um, a really cool bag and apparel company. Actually, their mission is every purchase uplifts the living condition of women in Ethiopia, where they do all their production. So they're a really good example of a brand that sends uh, high quality and moving non-promotional content. But they've just launched a new flow that includes um, a quiz to find your favorite bag. So brands that understand it takes multiple touch points before you can expect to acquire a customer, like a mattress company, um, even like Pure Sense or a device company where you have mid to high AOV products, they're frequently sending quizzes and things that are more engagement so they can tailor follow-up outreach to those responses. How does someone, you know, everyone wants to work with a rock star, and I can confirm after this meeting, it sounds like you know what you're talking about in this space. So people want to work with you, work with Yapo. what do you recommend they do? Come join us. Sign up for SMS Bump if you don't have it yet. Uh, again, I think people are wary of getting started, but we move at, at our brand's pace. We're not going to push anybody to send 15, 20 campaigns per month right out of the gate. I know not every vendor is like that. A lot of vendors push a really aggressive approach that leads to a leaky bucket dynamic. We're really focused on building a program with you as partners to you. 
that has staying power. We don't want to make a big splash at the beginning and then fizzle out over time. We want to build something strong and lasting. But I would say for those who are thinking about SMS, now's the time to jump in. And if you don't now, you're going to be behind. You probably already are. That's especially true in other regions too. In the US, it's a pretty easy pitch, but Australia, New Zealand, Europe, the markets are warming up to SMS marketing very quickly. Um, And for those who are on other vendors, of course, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus on a podcast. But what sets us apart is that we're thoughtful in everything that we do. Our strategy advice is thoughtful. The way we review our account is thoughtful. And we have features that facilitate the most thoughtful experience on SMS through our market leading segmentation. Not to sound too pitchy, but you can segment better on our platform than any other platform and our advanced flow builder. You could do a lot of really cool, creative, and personalized things with our flow builder. And it's all with it in mind that we want to create thoughtful experiences for thoughtful brands. So when people do sign up for Yapo, make sure you let them know that D2C sent you, specifically this podcast or the, or the previous one, whichever one you listen to. And yeah, we're excited about being a, a partner of Yapo's and uh, really excited to see what's happening in the space. As a direct-to-consumer newsletter, like SMS is the most direct-to-consumer medium there is. And so I'm really excited to see the way this space innovates and excited to stay in touch with you, Gabe, uh, to, to, to hear your, your tales from the front line. Yeah, appreciate you. Appreciate you having me on. I know Maggie feels the same. And SMS is going to the moon. So get on the rocket ship or you're going to be left behind. Bigger than Dogecoin, especially in Q3 heading into Q4, right? Like Q4 is where, you know, the the most competition will be. And if you're not going into Q4 with an SMS list, you are behind the eight ball, as Gabe said. So set yourself a goal, depending on your scale, set yourself a goal of building out your SMS list uh, before Q4 would be my advice. Couldn't agree more. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.